to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Cam! Two-man monster flush! Off the inbound! Ryan Cam Slam Jam! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Service from the heart to become your Realtors for Real Life is Team Anders Realtors' mission. Team Anders helps its clients find the home that best fits their needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. Team Anders will be in close communication with you personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. They have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. All right, this week actually kicks off a special week. It's no secret Ryan and I are diehard Michigan State fans. I went to Michigan State, graduated in 1995, we're going to keep this podcast a little shorter, same format, so we can come at you Wednesday with a big game preview. Epic rivalry game, best on paper, probably in the history of the rivalry coming up. We are going to save everything Michigan State, Michigan for a special Wednesday podcast with guests you're not going to want to miss. Trust me, we'll make this quicker so you can invest. Who knows? We may go for three hours on Wednesday. That's how great the rivalry is. Anyway, heading into this week before we get to podiums, you got the World Series starting. Ryan pointed out the other day so aptly, how can they get it done in a week and yet the NBA Finals takes three weeks? Great question. Should be a good World Series, by the way. I have not yet, I have yet to pick the right team, so neither Houston or Atlanta is going to want me to pick, so I will refrain from picking, but it should be a good World Series with you know two really good teams. NHL, NBA, college football, NFL, so much to talk about. So let's get to it. Ryan, the lectern is yours. Yeah, um, ongoing topic um, since Coach O was parted ways with LSU. Um, they announced that obviously last week um, after the season they're parting ways. A lot of um, just noise about Mel Tucker being a candidate for LSU. Um, that's that's a good thing. Um shows that he's doing a good job at Michigan State and that a team like LSU that's a storied program that's won national championships recently um, wants him and they're interested. Who knows if that's really true? Uh, it's all just up in the air now. Um, and, and Tucker was asked about it today at his press conference, um, and he said, I'm focused on the Michigan State game versus Michigan right now. I'm not going to talk about this. Push it to the side, which I think is the only thing he could have done and the, only, and the right thing to do at that um, and Michigan State people on Twitter are all, oh, he's he didn't say no, so he's going to leave. Guys, shut up. I Whatever mean, your inferiority complex. What do you want him to say? I'm, I'm fo- uh, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about this LSU job. No, you're, he has five games left in the season, six, maybe seven, if the Michigan State somehow makes it to an Indy, makes it to a, and then makes it to a bowl game. I mean, the dude is focused on the season and what's at hand right now. That stuff can come after the season. He can handle it then and say no. I mean, it, and the, the dude will get looks because he's a great coach. I mean, there's no doubt about it. USC, probably not, but LSU, yeah, 
there's other jobs that are probably open there big as well. Yeah. Maybe even Florida. They're tired of Dan Mullen down there. It's a compliment. It's, it is a compliment. You should be flattered by it if you're a Michigan State fan. But he's not safe, but he's not going to jump ship. He's That would be three moves in four years for his family that have his kids' sons that are like in high school, so that's not cool. Uh, and he's building something at Michigan State. So Michigan State fans knock it off. It's, it's getting out of control. Yeah, we need to lose the inferiority complex. And just because, if you want to argue, James Franklin said no. I say BS. Anybody who says no now, of course they're saying no so people will lay off them. The people who say no now are more apt to being lying about it than Tucker saying, that's not what I'm focused on, period. Get over it. All right. My podium. This is a on the fly. Just came up with it. My question, and I've asked this on the pod before. Why do we need to have so much going on at one particular point in time? I mentioned it in the open. World Series is this week. NHL is already in, I think, week two, week three. NBA is in week two. College football, we're getting ready. Next week, we'll be talking about the CF first CFP rankings coming out. NFL, seven weeks in. Things are starting to kind of shape up a little bit. If there's other sports going on, too, that we don't talk about. I mean, even golf season has restarted. Why? Why Why do we need so much at one time? I mean, yes, we have pockets of our fans, and we have people who are this kind of fan and this kind of fan and that kind of fan. But why take away from the greatness of football season, for example? Even college basketball starts November 10th. And believe you me, I love college basketball. I love college basketball more than anything, even college football. But November 10th, why? why? Why do we need to start so early? Why can't you start it closer to even Thanksgiving, a few a few weeks later? You can still get your games in. You can still get your tournaments in. But then you're winding down on the football season. You have a whole bunch of time in December where there's not as many, at least notable, bowl games going on. You know, there's not much between, obviously, well, you have the NFL playoffs, but football cools down where there's not as many teams. College basketball can take more of a spotlight then. I just don't understand why Major League Baseball needs to drag to October. And I know it has for years, but I'm asking now, why not reevaluate it? Why not end in September? Golf did it. They, they moved the FedEx Cup off of football season. Why doesn't baseball do that? Um, I guess they can kind of get away with a lot of their games are in the week and you're not really you know conflicting. They don't, have a, they don't start the World Series till tomorrow, so it's not up against Monday Night Football and stuff. Okay-ish. I guess October's been there. That's fine. The season's too long. We've talked about that. But NBA, NHL, you're playing in the beginning of October until July? Does your season need to be that long? No. Nobody cares. People care about the playoffs, sure. You want to make your game better, go to 62 games instead of 82 games, tighten your playoff window to happen in six weeks, not 12 weeks, and be done in a reasonable time and give baseball its spotlight in the summer. I know I'm asking for a lot. It'll never happen. There's tons of TV money. There's tons of sports networks. There's tons of sports channels. But for me, it's a little bit of sensory overload, and it's too bad because it's why you pick and choose to become a fan of one, maybe two sports, because you don't have the mental bandwidth and capacity to watch all your other binge-watching shows, The Bachelorette, whatever you want to watch, and all your sports stuff. I think it takes away from the power of the rest of the games. I think it needs to change. Never will. But that's my two cents, and that's my podium. All right, for our personal foul of the week, we always, well, we often do officials, 
And so we're going to throw a flag on the officiating crew in the Iowa State-Oklahoma State game, and Ryan's going to tell you why. Yeah, so uh, Iowa State versus Oklahoma State over the weekend. Uh, big game at Iowa State. Iowa State pulls off the win, the upset. Uh, not really an upset, I don't think. Iowa State's a good team, but um, a touchdown yeah. was called. Not an upset because they're actually favored, which is crazy. Yeah. Unranked and favored by 7.5 points. But a touchdown was called back in this game due to an unsportsmanlike conduct. If you haven't seen the video, look it up. Just look up Iowa State um, versus Oklahoma State touchdown called back. Um, receiver for Iowa State caught a pass, ran. No one was near him. He turned back and looked um, backwards when he was about the two or three yard line. They throw a flag for unsportsmanlike conduct. Did a little shoulder shimmy, like a dance. Nothing huge at all. In the touchdown, it's called back. But they later go on to score on this drive. But that it's out of control. It's not like he was throwing, like showing the ball back, doing some Deion Sanders stuff. He looked backwards and gave a shoulder shimmy. What do you What do you want him to do? And I he mean, could have been checking to see if somebody was going to outrun him because he was starting to kick it down a notch in his in his run. Officiating in college athletics and the NFL is just awful. Um, it's a general. game. Let them have some fun. That's not, not like taunting. He's, he's jumping up and doing a Lambo leap. It's not like he's. Climbing the goalpost. I mean, what? what you, or dancing on the Dallas Cowboy like To. I mean, what? Yeah, he's not doing hook him down. He's not. You know. I mean, it's just we are way too sensitive as a society that that's a penalty in a potentially deciding game. Never mind later. Now, bang bang play spots. Like <laughs> I get it. They're they're <laughs> difficult, but hard to kind of argue that Oklahoma State fans might have a beef with a fourth down spot that ended up, you know, ended the game at the end of that game, same crew. It's just like, this is what you get paid to do, do it right. And it's okay for these kids, young adults, to have fun. Anymore? No, that's all Stupid. I've got. All right, moving on. We're still going to come at you with uh, our Around the World this week. We're going to do a couple less Big Ten basketball previews to keep this one, again, a little bit on the shorter side because we should have a pretty epic podcast, at least for Michigan State fans or people who are interested in maybe who we're bringing on as a guest uh, later this week. But we'll stick, as we usually do, with a Big Ten week in review um, at spot number one for Around the World. You know, a little bit of a a quieter week, I would say, in terms of big games. Not quieter in front of some of the outcomes. Um, Penn State, what can I say? We didn't get to see this. We were uh, on the road for Ryan's teammates' um, memorial service, so not the ideal way to spend a Saturday, certainly. Prayers out to you, the Zanster family, but uh, listen to this game. And it was actually pretty funny. Uh, ESPN did a great job going back and forth on their Learfield feeds between the Penn State and the Illinois um, announcers. So if you're not up to speed, Illinois beat Penn State in nine, nine overtimes, nine. Now, the kicker there is if you're not familiar with the new rule, which is intended to reduce fatigue, injury, etc., because of a seven-overtime game it was a few years ago between LSU and Texas A&M, where Joe Burrow... You know, collapsed from dehydration. The after the second overtime, all overtimes are a one play, one attempt from the three yard line two point conversion, which sounds pretty easy, but evidently is really difficult because I think these teams went their first five or six overtime, five overtimes without even scoring. Both of them just like you know, same same rotation. So if Illinois goes first, then Penn State goes twice. You know, and then Illinois goes until somebody you know is the last person to score. 
Um, just <laughs> first of all, Penn State. You come off that Iowa game. Now you lost Clifford. Arguably, with what we saw Iowa the next week, maybe you would have won if Cliff, Clifford stayed healthy. He clearly must not have been too healthy in that game because you could only score 10 points in regulation against a very bad Illinois team. And then at home, I looking ahead to Ohio State, maybe. I don't know, Clifford clearly not well, but then go to back up your Big Ten school. Don't you have a second or a third guy that can play? I mean, maybe not because Indiana clearly doesn't necessarily have guys ready. But you lose to Illinois. The week before an epic big battle with Ohio State. Now, both of your losses are to the West, not to the East, but still, it's two conference losses. I mean, how how are you going to make that up and and compete? Um, Now, Penn State can still have a a good ending to the season. You know, kudos to you, Illinois, for your fight. I mean, I think, did you say, Ryan, their quarterback is out now for the season, Sitowski? So it's back to Brandon Peters, who started the season and then got hurt, and the Sitowski came in for him. He got hurt in one of the overtimes. But the overtime rule is clearly ridiculous. Like, you can't come up with something better. Do the high school way. You get four downs from the 10-yard line in high school. And then don't allow anybody to kick an extra point ever. Just go. You have to go for two. That's what it is in high school. And I think that's a much better way to solve it. Yeah, okay, so it's four plays. But we saw it's it's hard to dial up a play from the three-yard line over and over and over again. There's only so many things you can do in that tight of a box. So on one – and then, by the way – the joke of it even bigger is that between after every two possessions, so you know the overtime three, Illinois and Penn State get their chance, they're walking 97 yards to the other end of the field to do it. And then after those two, they're walking 97 yards back to the other end of the field. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Is the NFL way to solve it the best? Arguably no. Although it's gotten better, I would say, you know, both teams have a chance to win unless the first team scores a touchdown. Go to the high school rules, ditch this. I would highly expect that the, there's going to be another change coming yeah. because of that. Um, the the letter of the law, the spirit of the law, so to speak, is to protect these guys. I mean, that was a four-and-a-half-hour game and a boring one at that. I mean, it's 20-18 to 18 in nine overtimes. It's, it's like a low-scoring, let's use Peach Baskets basketball game. So that's my take on that. Penn State, man, you got still the Buckeyes this week, and then Maryland, then Michigan, then Rutgers, then Michigan State. I mean, maybe a 3-2 and two stretch in there, maybe, maybe 2-3. and three. You know, so what once looked really, really good is looking like probably the Citrus Bowl. And maybe Franklin will go bye-bye. So that's my take on that game, Ryan. Yeah, I think, I mean, hats off to Illinois. Um, This is dumbfounding that Penn State can't win that game. Um, And now it really makes me think that Franklin could be in line for USC or LSU. Um, Just knowing they don't really have a quarterback after Clifford um, at all, which is not good. I mean, the backup that played against Iowa, I think Roberson maybe is the last name. He's mm-hmm. like 5'10", and he didn't look like he was – I mean, he looked like a decent runner, but no confidence passing the ball or anything. So just a weird game, big upset, uh, embarrassing for Penn State really at home um, to lose to a team like Illinois, who they beat Nebraska in week one, but other than that, they haven't really done anything uh, since that. But, um, yeah, Wisconsin, we'll just talk about them quick. Kind of an upset win over Purdue. Um, I guess you could call it that because Purdue was ranked. Yeah. But 
Um, yeah, big win. They're kind of trending more in the right direction, getting back to what they were doing. Still not great. They can't throw the ball. They're all on the ground. Um, but they can still win the West. I mean, the West is wide open now, especially with Iowa being vulnerable um, offensively, especially. Um, could kind be. of a theme over there. seems like except for, for Minnesota right now. Yeah, I mean, Stat of the game for that Purdue-Wisconsin game, by the way. Purdue has lost to Wisconsin 15 straight times. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's of, a lot. Once again, Maryland proves they're not legit like I said they were. They always seem to have a good start to the season, then they come crashing mm-hmm. back down to earth. Um, and it's not going to get any easier for them um, from, here, from here on out. Um, play Indiana this week. Who's Indiana, very, Penn State, very, Michigan State, Michigan, Rutgers, yeah. Very banged up Indiana team, but they have a gauntlet coming up. Not going to be easy for them. Um, Michigan took care of Northwestern, setting up a monster game in East Lansing this weekend. Um, so that was a 10-7 or so at the half. half. I mean, yeah. Michigan pulled away, but, you know, they had a very golf-like performance out of McNamara where, you know, he's he's getting about five yards per pass. I don't know that that's going to get it done for Michigan against, you know, um, they still have to play Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State. Can it get it done against those guys to have that little of a pass game when you know teams are going to be geared up to stop the run? I don't know. they got a really good run game. Obviously, they've got a really good defense, and now the rubber starts to meet the road for really even Penn State, but Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State starting this weekend. Um, but... For a little while, it was looking like that dude that Ryan you said put down two hundred and twenty grand for Michigan to cover the twenty and three and a half or whatever mm-hmm. spread wasn't got it. <laughs> fruition, but he got it. Um, you know, didn't get to see any of that game. Sounded like kind of a ho hum or typical like Bo Schembechler type of game. So, but it, either way, it set up uh, you know for an epic Saturday this Saturday in East Lansing. Um, the other Big Ten game to talk about: Indiana, Ohio State. <laughs> Um, you know, Indiana already looking really, <coughs> excuse me, sketchy on offense, but answers Ohio State right away with a down the field march. Tuttle steps in and delivers a dime um, to the tight end in the end zone and just absolutely takes a hit up high on the side, down low, gets hurt. Indiana, he, he might have played one more snap the rest of the game. They go to their kind of their situational freshman who's very raw, very talented, but is a freshman, and you can tell as a freshman, you, you're not going to beat a team like Ohio State with that. And then they even went to their four-string guy for a while. Ohio State has got it going on offense, no question. They, they never really completely lost. It was more their defense. Defense has been playing well lately. Now, albeit they've beaten Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana in consecutive weeks, and those three teams are struggling a lot on offense. So some of it could be a little uh, fool's gold. Um, we'll find out again. Um, you know, maybe, although obviously Penn State struggled to score against Illinois, so maybe they're going to get another break. But you know, Ohio State's got that stretch coming up as well. Those four teams playing each other um, round robin in the last five weeks of the season is going to make some interesting podcasts, some interesting rankings and such. But right now, Ohio State is looking mighty good. There's a reason why, even though fans are complaining, and they both have one loss, that Ohio State is that is still three, four, five slots ahead of Oregon in the rankings. Um, you know, Oregon is struggling to hang on and win their games. And Ohio State is absolutely smacking people, averaging, what, like 50-some points a game, Ryan, the last three weeks? they're scoring the ball at will. Um, C.J. Stroud, after that kind of, I mean, it wasn't a shaky start by any stretch of the imagination, but to Ohio State fans for what they've had Mm -hmm. um, as college quarterbacks going back to Braxton Miller, I mean, it was a bit shaky. 
Um, and now he looks like he's on a different planet. He has some confidence that's out of this world. Amazing receiver. I mean, he's got great the best backs. receiving core in the Big, in the big Ten, in, in the country, really. Um, and great running backs, a pretty good line, and good tight ends as well. Mm-hmm. They're just a juggernaut offensively. Defensively, I still think they have some holes. They look better, though. I mean, they're stopping the run better. I still don't know if their secondary is there yet. Um, but they can score with anybody in the country. I mean, they're... they're the way they're playing right now, they're a playoff team. I mean, I don't see them losing um, the rest of the year. Yeah, I would. Honestly. I would agree. There, you know, it's going to take definitely an upset and them beating themselves a little bit to beat Ohio State. They definitely look like one of the t- best four teams in the country, uh, bar none, right now for sure. Um, again, against lower echelon of the Big Ten East. Now they got the big boys coming up. It starts with this week, so we'll see how that goes. All right, moving over to spot number two uh, around college football a little bit. <laughs> you know the. The media, which they're always so apt to do, is is try to convince fans of what kind of weekend it is or isn't going to be. You know, convinced us all, oh, it's going to be a dud weekend, dud games, blah blah blah. More upsets. They're actually, yeah, more upsets. Two more top ten teams lose, um, albeit still oddly, Vegas knows something clearly that Iowa State was a seven and a half point favorite at home as an unranked team playing the undefeated number eight ranked team. I still not sure how that all works, but. Clearly, there were still some good games. The Saturday night games had their moments. Tennessee hung with Alabama for about yeah. two and a half, almost They're three quarters. Then Alabama just you know whipped it into gear and got it going. Saban was old. Saban I haven't seen him that mad in a while. Um, you know the three thirty slot that Oregon uh, UCLA game was a really good game. UCLA had a chance in that, and so mm-hmm. don't sleep any week. You know just because. The big boys aren't playing big teams doesn't mean that there aren't good things going on. You know, yeah, that some of the teams had buys and whatever, but every week in college football is a battle and a show, and that's at least three more AP top 25 teams that have lost, maybe more than that last week. We already talked about last week how it was kind of a record for that point in the season. It's only going to get wilder. It's only going to get crazier. Um College football is is a blast to watch, and again, that's why it's a shame that the NBA's got to get their little claws in on their sliver, and even the NHL and stuff. Like, wait your turn, let college football run its course, and just you know, college football, NFL, that should be what it's all about right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this has been so fun. Um, Kansas gave Oklahoma a big scare there. Um, yeah, shut them out in the first half. Yeah, they looked good. It looked good for Kansas, um, but Oklahoma survived. Crazy play there with their quarterback ripping the ball out of the guy's hands and taking it for a first down. Um, On a really key fourth down yeah, play, Oklahoma actually. Oklahoma State goes down. Um, yeah, Oklahoma's obviously a team to beat in the Big 12 still. Team I bet I was very impressed with. Um, I hadn't watched them all year, and that was Pitt. Um, they look good. Uh, I mean, their one loss is to Western. They gave up like 60 to them. And ever since then, they played really well. Kenny Pickett. Uh, the quarterback, he's played really well. Uh, he's kind of getting himself into the Heisman conversation there, which is kind of cool. It's good to see Pitt. Might be the Lions' in. next quarterback. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> with um, with Doozy down there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the ACC is looking like it could be a ACC title game. Wake Pitt Army. Versus Wake. 126 points scored in the Wake, Wake Army yeah, game. Wake, I mean, 70 to 56 final score. I mean, 10 touchdowns and 8 touchdowns. I mean, 18 touchdowns is ridiculous in one game. 
Uh, a lot of teams don't score that in the season. Michigan State circa 2018 through 2019. But Can we put a nail in Clemson's coffin? I mean, they're 4-3. and three. I, They're going to make a bowl game, but they're going to have to stay home and play the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Yeah, they're, they they switched up quarterbacks. It's not looking good yeah. for them. You just kind of like Penn State, you wonder. Like, I mean, Dabo had that run of quarterbacks from Watson to Lawrence. Or to I mean, even the guy right before Kelly Lawrence, Bryant. Kelly Bryant, to Lawrence there. to um, – uh, who's the other guy that was in there? They had Taj Boyd there. Or Taj before Boyd. Watson, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and now this. Like, maybe, again, stop making NIL deals with Dr. Pepper. See, that's what I think for our buddy Dan, who hates the NIL as much as we do. Those are the kind of things that are going to stop those wide-open purse strings from happening. Dear King at Miami is another case. I mean, he's hurt, Done but still season. hurt again. And yet a local guy invest a ton of money into him, and Miami... They had a good win, finally. That's good for Michigan State. Um, but they're having a losing season. It quieted the doubters there for, you know, their coach for another week anyway. It's just like some of these programs just need to check their reality and figure it out and then just enjoy the ride yeah. um, up and down. Absolutely. So. I'm looking at Clemson's schedule here. Um, they play Florida State this weekend, which is – Probably a win, but they're ten point favorite. I don't know if they can score ten points. That's the thing is, week over week they're a double digit favorite, and they can't even score yeah, double I digits. I don't barely. know if they can do that. Florida State's not awful; they're not good by any stretch. And then they play at Louisville, which Louisville's won big games this year. They mm-hmm. played well and against good teams. Then they play UConn at home, which is not That's a, a win. I mean, they'll probably win like thirteen nothing. <laughs> Pillow fight. And then they play home against Wake on their senior day, which is not going to be easy. Nope. Then um, at South Carolina, who's not a very good team, um, but Duke's I mean, Mayo Bowl—that's where they're going. That's two to three more wins. I mean, that's seven and five, six and six for a team that's made the playoff every year since 2015. Right. Um, not looking good. For and them. yeah, they've had some injuries and stuff, but it's just—it's it, just weird. Just some of that weird. is, I think, some of these teams kind of rest on it a little bit, and and other teams are out outworking them and. And it's good for college football. Defense is great. Everything else, terrible. All right, moving on to our spot number three in our usual place, the NFL. Um, Another interesting week. Um, Let's throw a couple games out that stood out to me. Um, Chiefs getting absolutely bludgeoned by the Titans, who... You know, scored the upset over the really Bills good. the night before. Really good. Um, Henry's a stud. I think he's on pace to break the um, single season record already where he is. I mean, he's just he's unstoppable. He threw a touchdown pass this week. You know, you got, let's see, another great stat for me is that San Francisco has not won a home game in over a year. Nice. Now, a couple of those games were in Arizona because of the whole COVID nonsense last year where they couldn't play in, in um, you know, their home stadium. But still... Lost in, an, in a, what did they call it? They called it a, a um, meteorological river or atmospheric river. That's what it was. And, I mean, it was a downpour and gusty winds. And I was actually surprised at how well both those teams passed. Um, you know, that was an interesting game. But the Colts are looking better and better. Colts you know, better. They've, they've lost some games they shouldn't have, you know, like the Ravens game. Otherwise, they'd be right there in the mix, I think, with the Titans. Speaking of the Ravens, they got absolutely smashed Bengals number by one the team Bengals. The AFC right now. And if you think about it, they had to come back to beat the Colts. They had to make an NFL record 66-yarder to beat the Lions. So are the Ravens really that good? The AFC is crazy. The There's so many really good teams. The, N- the NFC is is pretty cut and dry. Like, here's the good and here's the bad. And there's not much in between. 
Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of bubble teams, I would say, at this no. point in time. AFC's got a lot of bubble teams and a lot of good teams. And I they mean, seem to, Kansas City's like a, a bubble team. And that, what does that say? They've been in the last couple of Super Bowls. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like Panthers go and they're supposed to be decent. And they lay an absolute oh, egg, scored what, three, five, five points. points at They've been the Giants. the last three weeks, yeah. Um, Bears got pummeled by Tampa Bay. Ryan, I'll let you <laughs> do most of the talking on this, but I will say kudos to the Lions. Ryan and I both thought that Stafford would throw for five touchdowns. And, I mean, he did throw for like 330, 340, and three touchdowns, no picks. He had a good game. But the Lions pulled out all the stops. They just don't – they just clearly don't have the horses. They, they've they really only been out of of, of one game from the That's start, the and game. it was the Bengals. I mean, they – Really, probably should have beaten the Ravens. They they stop them on fourth down, or they don't make a miracle field the goal. They probably would have beaten the Bears. Same with the Vikings, the Bears. Yeah, they had plenty of chances against the Bears. They shot themselves in the foot. I mean, you know, so while the Lions are bad and they're you know maybe epically bad, I I do think that they're getting better. I loved the gutsiness of the coaches to pull out two fake punts, an onside kick. I mean, sometimes you have to do that because you got nothing to lose, but. I think it instills a little bit of confidence in your players. I think the defense is is playing a little bit better, and they haven't been bad. Goff what was they have, Goff yeah. was a little bit. Swift was really good, but he just they just don't have the horses on offense. They don't have the receivers. They don't have the weapons. And frankly, Goff doesn't throw up more than five yards on the field most of the time, too. And and look, they they had a chance. Like yeah, he got hit by Donald. Kind of the receiver and and Hawk ran routes that somebody was wrong because they were in too close proximity. They pulled three defenders into the window, golf through it anyway, got picked off. As soon as that happened after a nine minute drive, you knew that the Lions were gonna lose. But I mean you have to be at least somewhat encouraged by the fact that they've they've got some some pluck and they've got some fight. I just hope that the Fords give them enough time to build this up right because it is so abundantly clear how bad the last regime torched this yeah, team. I just they burn them to the ground. They burn them to the ground, and then they dug a hole and they started the hole on fire. I mean, that's how far back, you know, what's Bluto set them, you know, set them back to begin to begin with. So I don't know what the other thoughts on that. I think Orwarie said it best in the locker room. (laughs) Um, I mean, he's they're playing with damaged goods, really. I mean, guys that are undrafted, guys that are no one else wanted, um, and they're putting together. Pretty good games for the most part. I mean, like I said, they have fight. They do. They have fight. And he said, "This team is different than any other team I've played on in my three years with Detroit." He said, "There are no losers on this team. There's no one that quits. There's they have fight." And he's like, "We're young. We have fight. Like we have. They have 15 guys that play good amount of snaps that are on IR. Two um, of their two best linemen. I mean, Sewell's going to be quickly their best lineman, but they're they're." Stud left tackle, they're center, so they're and they're yeah. still giving golf time. They're running the ball better than they've really yeah, run they've, it recently. They're running the ball better than before. You know, between Williams and Swift, it's a good one-two punch at running back. Yeah, I mean they have at receiver. They're basically playing with arena league foot receivers. Mm-hmm. I mean St. Brown, I think he in time could be a very good receiver. I mean he's he's young. He isn't having much experience. I mean the guys that are supposed to be rested. Khalif Raymond is like was like the fifth option for the Titans. I mean. And then Tyrell Williams was supposed to be the guy, and he was the third option for the Raiders a few years ago, and he's hurt. And then Brashad Perriman was supposed to be the guy, and he was like third option for the Jets, and he got let go before the season. I mean, they have nothing at receiver. Yeah. And, and Quintez Cephas, who 
was supposed to probably be the guy broken collarbone after the season. I mean, injuries left and right, and they're still fighting. I think with time, I think they need to get young guys in there, receiver, keep building that. They have a good run game, keep that. I hope Jared Goff, I mean, he works hard, but the dude, I, I hope he's not the quarterback after this season. He's pretty bad. Um, yeah, I, I. He's pretty bad. He the, can't move. He's not. The Lions need a quarterback that can move. Like because, a Wentz. Like he's about on par with, I would say, Goff talent wise, even though he was the number one overall pick, is on par talent wise with Cousins and Wentz. Cousins was a fourth round pick, Wentz was the number two pick behind Goff. The difference is both of and those are three play action heavy good run game, especially if you watch the Colts last night. Jonathan Taylor, very good run team. You know, Dalvin Cook, Minnesota, very good run team. Play action quarterbacks, but those two guys can not only boot, but they can run. They can pick up some yards. Yeah, now, neither of them are fast per se. Wentz is probably the most but, athletic, but, but they're golf, shifty enough to get golf out and can't move. No, he's cement feet in the pocket. You, you know, I that's the problem, and, and my only fear. Is that like when he was the number one overall pick, and the Rams needed a quarterback, and so they picked him? Is if the Lions have the number one overall pick, which it certainly seems like they're going to, are they going to settle for who's the highest rated quarterback just because they need a quarterback? I hope not, because that's not the right decision. They could do much better getting a Thibodeau or somebody else that can fill another gap and try to find another way to get a quarterback. Um, and or you know stave off for a few years before you can go in the draft and get a really good quarterback. Like that's my fear is that they don't settle. Now if they go in the second or third round and they get a guy like a Pickett or somebody like that and and they can maybe work him in. Okay, and that works out. That's fine. I just I just hope and pray that they don't blow what's probably the number one, maybe the number two overall pick on a quarterback because they need one because they ain't gonna find it in this year's draft. No, this draft is the cup. The cupboard is. Bear, there's um, nothing in there. No quarterback. Yeah, it's anything special. It's empty. There's not even crumbs in there. So no. All right, so that's the NFL spot number four. We're gonna combine both of our Big Ten um, basketball previews in this one, and spot number five, we're gonna give to our um, pick 'em contest, and then again, we're gonna get out of here. You know, hopefully in less than fifty minutes this week, compared to. Uh, our last few weeks, which have been over an hour, so that we can set you up for our, our Wednesday goodness. Um, Ryan, why don't you start us off? Who you got this week to Yeah, preview? I've got the Iowa Hawkeyes coming off um, round of 32 exit to the Oregon Ducks. Um, Frank Taino, year 12, he's the third longest tenured coach in the Big Ten, which is kind of crazy. Um, lost a lot. Uh, Garzilla's gone, he's playing for the Pistons, their all-time leading scorer. Already had his number retired, all this stuff. Um, basically, their whole offense. Um, and then also lose uh, Joe Wieskamp to the to the league, left early. Um, should have been a senior this year, but he's gone. Um, another good score shooter. Um, and then also C.J. Frederick, their, their sniper for the last two years on the three-point line, transferred to Kentucky. Uh, so there's three key guys there. Um I don't think that they're going to be great. Um, I don't know if it's a tournament team. I think they have some good pieces, but I just don't know if it's enough, especially in this year's Big Ten, which is going to be a gauntlet, um, like we discussed last week. But look at their roster. I mean, they've got some good pieces. They have a transfer from North Dakota that averaged 16 points against Philip Rebraka from Serbia as a senior, uh, grad guy, 6'9", shooter, um, good <coughs> rebounder, could probably play a key role. He'll probably start, I would imagine. Joe Toussaint, 
Uh, I'm sure you know the name. Small, little, kind of stockier guard. I think he's like a tum-tum Naren 2.0. He's, he's experienced. He's tough, but can't shoot worth a lick. Um, but he's tough. He's tough. He's a tough little guard in the Big Ten. Uh, bulldog defensively. Uh, Jordan Bohannon's back for year six. Um, six or sixteen? Crazy. Uh, it's his team now. He's going to shoot the ball a lot. Uh, he's been banged up in his career a lot. Um, so he's going to shoot a lot. He'll probably shoot fifteen to twenty times a game. Um, Aaron Euless, a guy that didn't play much last year. You know the last name Tyler, his brother um, for Kentucky and in the NBA, but. A little bigger, he's 6'3 guard. Uh, probably will play a key role, uh, to be honest. And then Keegan Murray, I, he's one of my under-the-radar players in the Big Ten. I think he can be a breakout star. I mean, he had a really good year last year. 6'8", he's kind of a wing. His dad was a beast. Tweener there. But he, he's really good. I think if he develops a good outside shot, you know he can bang inside a little bit. He, he's a good rebounder. He could be a really tough player in, this, in the Big Ten. He's probably going to be a four-year guy, I mean, as a 6'8 forward. Um, a little undersized. His brother, Chris Murray, redshirted last year. He's probably going to play a little bit more of a role. Um, Patrick McCaffrey and Connor McCaffrey. Uh, Connor's been there for a long time. Guardy does not shoot the ball at all. Patrick's a little bigger, good athlete, lanky guy. But, yeah, I mean, nothing else really uh, to write home about an eyes roster. I think those are the main guys right now um, that will play a key role for them. I mean, looking at their schedule – not hard by any stretch. I mean, their toughest non-conference game is at Virginia, which is not easy. And they play Iowa State, who's picked to finish dead last in the in the Big 12 there. Utah State, who's made the tournament a couple times. But other than that, I mean, Western Illinois, Southeastern Louisiana, name a few, Alabama State, teams that aren't great. Um, look at their Big Ten schedule, Purdue a couple <clears throat> times, um, Michigan State only once, Michigan twice, Um Ohio State only won. So, I mean, they their schedule sets up fairly well for them. I just don't know if they can if they can hang tough in the Big Ten. I don't know if they have the horses. Should be an interesting year for them. I'm thinking – I think they'll finish probably around 10th in the league, um, probably right at 10, to be honest with you. Um, so, we'll see what happens. I mean, easy schedule. They could gain confidence and – Maybe take them places, maybe sneak into the tournament, but I'm thinking they're more of an NIT team at the moment, uh, looking at it. Yeah, for my preview this week, I'm going to go with Rutgers. Ryan kind of broke it down of us each taking seven. The next two weeks, we'll go back to two teams each. Um, I'm going to go with Rutgers. You know, last year, after they got, you know, shut out of being able to play in the tournament, um, you know, due to COVID in 2020, you know, people are like, oh, man, that maybe that was their shot. <clears throat> no, they made a great run last year. Um, lost a heartbreaker, really, to Houston, in, you know, who made it to the Final Four in the um, round of 32. Um, the nice thing for them, really, everybody from that team that's a key cog, for the most part, back, especially like a Ron Harper Jr., Geo Baker. Uh, Miles Johnson was their big guy, really smart, you know, kind of rim protector, rebounder, not a huge score necessarily, he left the program, uh, transferred, I think grad transfer probably to go out to UCLA um, on arguably the number one team in the country. I mean, they've got everybody back from that team that made that special run last year. Um, so they're going to miss him. I think, you know, their coach, Steve Peichel, he's a good coach. Mm-hmm. He's done some really nice things for Rutgers. Um, you know, looking at their starting lineup, you got Paul Mulcahy, who's kind of like the the old white chocolate who played for um, 
multiple teams in the league, but, um, you know, he's just kind of a, a guy that you know, jack of all trades, you know, he's got a lot of starting experience, average around <coughs> six points, three and a half boards, three assists a game. He's not a big number guy, but he's hard nosed. He kind of embodies what they want to do. He likes to run. He likes to push the ball. You got Geo Baker, like I talked about. I mean, he's he's been a, a special player for them at times. Um, you know, double-digit score, good shooting guard. Ron Harper, another guy that could take it over, you know, almost 15.6 rebounds a game. Pretty good shooter. Um, <clears throat> he If he can play like he did early last year. Yeah, early. I, I, you know, early he was unstoppable. <clears throat> I think that, you know, that's going to carry them a long way. Then you got um, a couple of newer guys. Um, uh, Andre Hyatt, uh, transferred from LSU. He was a former four-star recruit. He started 15 games for LSU last year. I mean, I think him at power forward, he could be pretty decent. And then you got Cliff, uh, Omorii. He was good last year. Who was, you know, also good, you know, kind of, he's one of the best recruits in school history. Um, he recorded a double-double in his debut. You know, he didn't have much in the way of numbers last year. He was injured a little bit. But I think that he could be, um, you know, replacing Miles Johnson's <clears throat> production for sure. So you got three kind of guys that you would be familiar with, and two guys that I think have a chance to do some good things for them. You know, got Caleb McConnell, who's got some experience. Jaden Jones is a is a uh, was a mid year enrollee last year. Um, he's a one time top hundred prospect uh, that I think could be good for them. Um, you got Oscar Palmquist, who's a sophomore. You know, chose Rutgers over like Florida Vandy. I think you know there's a good chance for him to maybe step up a little bit. Um, you know, and they've got a grad transfer from San Jose State, Ralph Ag. Um, you know, so they got some other guys that if they can get a few of them to kind of step up and play to that rotation, play that hard nosed style, I think you know Rutgers definitely has a chance to. You know, they're not going to contend for the Big Ten title. I don't think they're going to be quite as good as last year, but, you know, I think it's a tournament team for sure. You know, it's probably like a, a maybe a 10 seed type of deal. But if you look at their schedule, I mean, this is just out of the gate. Lehigh, Merrimack, NJIT, DePaul, Lafayette, UMass, Clemson in the ACC Big Ten. I mean, I, that's a pretty easy out-of-conference slate. They start with Illinois and, and Purdue in their December Big Ten games, that's, that's not going to be easy. You got Seton Hall, you know, Seton Hall's decent. You got Ryder, Central Connecticut State, Maine. I mean, they should really go undefeated, maybe one loss in their non-conference. Um, but then again, they get right back to it, and they play Michigan when they get back to the Big Ten in January. So, let's see, you know, Big Ten-wise, they've got... Uh, I'm trying to think of who... Yeah, they avoid some teams. They've, it looks like they've got Michigan State just once they've got Indiana maybe just once um so a couple of those teams that you know we have pegged maybe for middle of the pack in the in the Big Ten right now but both of us think Michigan State and Indiana could be teams that contend at the end of the season you know for Rutgers only have them once their schedule sets up for them to have some wins now will they have enough quad one and quad two wins no probably not necessarily unless they do some damage in the Big Ten but if if they can stay pretty close to 500 in the Big Ten, you know, and in a 20-game season, that's doable. And they've got some, you know, maybe a couple of the tougher teams only once each. You know, I could see them going 8-12 and 12 and maybe sliding in if they win a game in the Big Ten tournament or 9-11, and 11, you know, to go with, a, you know, a solid 10 or so wins out of conference. You know, 20-win season, slide into the dance, you know, worst case NIT. I, yeah, doable. 
you know, doable. We'll, yeah, I, we'll think, see what I think Steve Peichel um, is a great coach. I think that he'll have Rutgers on track. I mean, you, you look at the roster experience. I mean, Geo's been there. Mm-hmm. Um, Harper's been there. Guys that understand how yeah, he wants they, to play. Yeah, they, they, know, they know how to play in the Big Ten. They have proven they can play in the Big Ten and do so with success. I mean, after coming off last year in the tournament, they, should, they would have made the tournament in 2020 as well. Um, so, yeah, it could be a good season for them. I think back-to-back tournaments is probably – uh, what it's looking like right now for Rutgers. All right, let's move to spot number five and get into our weekly pick, Sands, the big game, which, again, well, I'm pretty sure you know who we're going to pick, but we will save that one for the special podcast on Wednesday. Yeah, so last week, looking back at it, uh, both of us went 8-3, and three, <clears throat> which brings my record to 85-21, and 21, yours 82-24, and 24, doing pretty well. But week nine... Um, like you said, we're not going to pick the Michigan State-Michigan game until Wednesday um, on the pod. Um, we'll do score prediction and stuff with that. We don't normally do that, but we will. Uh, but Iowa-Wisconsin, uh, noon kick, old school game. I think it's going to be like 10-3, to and I think Iowa's going to win because they're going to get a pick six or something. Is that, let's see, where is that game? That's at Wisconsin. Boy, this is kind of almost a de facto, this is an elimination game. Loser yep. is out of the Big Ten West race. Iowa, you know, is licking some wounds. They had the week off. I think they've got the defense to stop Wisconsin. I just don't think Wisconsin's all that great. Uh, boy. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with Iowa as well. <laughs> Rutgers, Illinois. Um, after the injury news to the great Art Sitkowski, I've got to go with Rutgers. Yeah, because he was going to take out his former team, I think. Well, you know? Who has a better defense, I think. Yeah, you know, it's, boy, it's at Illinois, but the last time Illinois got that big improbable upset win when they beat Nebraska, we thought, oh, they'll go beat UTSA, who, by the way, is undefeated and ranked, so it's not like that was that bad of a loss, but yeah, I mean, there's a reason Illinois had gone to their second string quarterback. I don't think Peters is all that great. No. I think Rutgers is, is hungry to kind of snap back. They They got absolutely smashed like four times in a row. Um, I think Rutgers goes on the road and gets this one done. <laughs> this one could be interesting. Indiana, Maryland, two teams that are kind of on the ropes right now, not playing well. I think Indiana's defense is pretty good. I mean, Sands, Ohio State, um, I think that they've looked really good, and I think they're legit. Maryland's offense struggling a little bit more now. I don't think their defense is good. I think they're giving out the most points and yards out of anybody in the Big Ten. Um it just depends to me who right now I'm going to say Indiana um, because I think they're better than them defensively and that's what's going to win the game. But I don't who's their quarterback going to be? Penix. If Penix plays, I think it's an easy win. If Tuttle plays and is eighty percent, I think they win. But anything less than that, I don't think. I think it'll be a toss up. But I'm going to go Indiana, um, assuming that they one of the two plays and they're healthy. Yeah, I mean, I think if, for me, if Penix was healthy and played, I think Indiana wins this game probably going away. I don't know. I just, he's not been close to playing the last couple of weeks. I don't think he magically gets better. Tuttle looked pretty banged up. Don't even know exactly what it was. He just didn't look right. Uh, it's at Maryland. They're both hungry. They're both wounded. They both desperately need this if they want to find a bowl game this year. As much as I think you know i want to stick with the two and ten pick which can't be now because they've won four games but i think maryland's going to get this one and it's my chance to maybe catch up a game on ryan 
Uh, Mayor, or I'm sorry, Northwestern Minnesota. Minnesota's played really well the last few weeks with just pretty banged up, honestly. I mean, at the running back position <clears throat> all over the board. Tanner Morgan, obviously an experienced quarterback. Northwestern's looked okay. I mean, they beat Rutgers a couple weeks ago, looked okay against Michigan. Um, Minnesota's, I think Minnesota's a, a stupid loss to Bowling Green away from being yeah, five think, and one or six and one. I think they're a right sneaky now. good team. I mean, they gave Ohio State a decent run in mm-hmm. Week One. Minnesota, I think right now they might be the favorite to win the West, in my opinion. I think so, and they already beat Purdue, and they yeah, they seem to beat Iowa. You know, you know so I yeah, I I got that as well. I think that they're gonna originally, you know, preseason we had Minnesota losing this game. Northwestern did play better last week after. Shocking a lot of people by the way they handled Rutgers, but I think Minnesota wins this game pretty easily. Purdue, Nebraska, Nebraska coming off a bye. Um, I think they're almost an eight point favorite against Purdue, which is kind of wild um, considering what Nebraska's done this year and for the last however many years, just laying eggs and finding ways to lose. I think that that continues. I think they find a way to choke this game away against Purdue. Purdue's going to win because they can throw the ball a lot. Um, yeah, I just think that Purdue's got a good, good defense. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna differ with you again. I'm gonna go with Nebraska. I want to believe that they're gonna get over the hump. You know, I wanted to believe it when they went to Minnesota and they got smashed <clears throat> after another close loss. Well, smashed. They lost by seven or eight points. You know, they've been in every single game. They've got still a gauntlet to end the season with Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. This might be the last win that Scott Frost gets for Nebraska, so I'm going to go with Nebraska. Penn State, Ohio State. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I would have said it could be a decently close game. I'm going to say Ohio State wins this game like 48 to 20 or something like that. Blowout win. Yeah, I mean, Penn State's got a good defense. You know, I think at least pretty good. I just don't see how they can. They can't score with Ohio State. Um, at least you think that maybe a Michigan State could score with them, and maybe even a Michigan, if they can find a passing game, could score with Ohio State. I just don't see it with Penn State. I, I, whatever the spread is, add ten to it. I think Ohio State absolutely. Travion Henderson might have five hundred yards rushing. Yeah, I mean, they gave up three fifty, yeah, three three sixty last week to Illinois. Yeah. So yeah, Ohio State <laughs> easy. Michigan State, Michigan will pick that on on Wednesday. Georgia, Florida, the world's largest cocktail party. Florida's on the ropes right now. They look terrible. Georgia's the best team in the country. Easy win for the dogs. I think it'll be a close game just because it's a rivalry game. It usually is a close game. Um, The team that's supposed to win doesn't always win this game, but I do think that Georgia wins this. They just have a good defense. Florida's not really sure who's going to play quarterback. They've gotten a little bit out of both guys. You know, Florida hung in there with Alabama. Um, Then they lost to LSU. Yeah. I don't think Florida's got the... Got it, you know, the horses to get it done, but I do think it'll be a close game, but I'm going to go Georgia as well. Big game, Ole Miss-Auburn. Um, Auburn's playing well since that Penn State loss week three. Um, I'm going to go with Ole Miss, though. I think their offense is just too good. Um, even though Auburn's defense is pretty stingy, I, I just don't trust Bo Nix. No. Yeah, Ole Miss struggled a little bit early with LSU last week and then kind of ran away with it. Um, Coral's kind of dinged up a little bit. Auburn did have a week off. I, you know, I used to kind of not like the bye weeks because I felt like it could stem your momentum a little bit. But now I feel like in college football with these longer seasons, it gives guys a chance to heal up a little bit, maybe scheme some new things. Uh, another, this is my chance. If I can go three for three in the opposite games, this is my chance to catch up with Ryan. I'm going to go with Auburn in this one. 
Uh, last college game, Fresno State, San Diego State. We're going to do that one. Sounds kind of fun, little group of five. Two teams that have played well. San Diego State's unbeaten. Uh, Fresno State, six and two. Uh, I'm going to go San Diego State just because they're undefeated and their defense is apparently pretty good. Brady yeah. Hoke. Snuck past a decent Air, uh, Air Force team last week. It was 5-1, 20-14. I'm going to go with the Aztecs as well. Uh, two NFL games. Uh, Pack Cardinals on uh, Thursday night. Uh, learned a couple hours ago, Devontae Adams, COVID, um, out indefinitely with that. I was going to pick the Packers. Now I'm going with the Cardinals, who are going to be 8-0. And that's at Arizona, right? Yes. I mean, the home field's not quite as big in pros, but I'm going to go the same. I'm impressed with the way Arizona's playing good. on both sides of the ball. Picking up J.J. Watt was huge for them. I think that kind of gave them that marquee name that they needed on D. Um, I'm going to go with Arizona in that as well. Lions-Eagles, uh, Halloween. Lions might have a chance to win things that. could happen. They Is could have a chance. Detroit? It's in Detroit, but here's the issue. It's a running quarterback in Jalen Hurts. The Lions have never fared well against a running quarterback. So I'm going to continue on the Lions 0 for. Um, and I said the Lions would go 0 for, but the Eagles have only won two games. They're, they're better than the Lions, though. You know, Eagles, Lions are due. Book it. Lions are not going to go 0 and 17. They're going to go 1 and 16. They're going to beat the Eagles. Yeah. Actually, they might go 2 and 15 because they're going to beat the Bears on Thanksgiving, too. Because the Bears hope suck. So. Yeah. Uh, that's it for this week. Pick them. All right. Let's end as we always do with a sprint. Again, I've gotten in the habit of not telling Ryan about these. By the way, Wednesday, I think our format's probably out the window. We've got some pretty special guests as long as those things hold up. So fingers crossed that they do hold up. Um, you know, we'll maybe do a Mount Rushmore or two here and there, but we're just gonna we're just gonna talk all about the rivalry on Wednesday. Uh, so no sprint for that. So or if we do, maybe we'll do a special Michigan State Michigan sprint. But for this one. Spot number one, has the Big Ten ever had a bigger upcoming football weekend than this one? Uh, I mean, I'm sure they have, but in recent memory, no. I mean, you've got three really big games. I'm going to say no um, off the top of my head. If Penn State had held serve last week, you'd have four top ten teams going at it, plus Iowa and Wisconsin, who you know are traditional battles. So, Um, Spot number two, best time for a game, noon, 3.30, or 7.30? I love the 3.30 kick, um, just in the middle of the afternoon, especially in the fall. It gets a little dark there at the end. And lights are on. chill in there, yeah, I love it. Best pregame show, game day or big noon kickoff? I used to love game day. Now I hate it. ESPN is... Bear can suck one. They can just... I, I hate ESPN. Pick um, against us again, Bear. I dare you, you Big fat. noon. Big noon. I like what they're doing. Premier All right. college football pregame show. All right, and then last spot. When is your start date for listening to Christmas music? It's got to be November 1st. I mean, at some Except point it's night when we're doing the dishes. Yeah, I mean, I, November 1st, I mean, it just after Halloween, you just flip that switch, and it's like, oh, Thanksgiving's close, and then Christmas is shortly after, two months from oh. today, really. So. Yeah, two months from today. Um, 25 years ago that I proposed to Kristen, actually, today. So it's a good day, too. October 25th, good day. Has the Big Ten ever had a bigger upcoming f- football weekend? I cannot recall one. I'm obviously quite a bit older than Ryan. I just don't remember as many, you know, what, single games, maybe two games, maybe big games in a weekend, but three games of this this style, even with Wisconsin being a little less than we thought that they would. Uh, this is a huge weekend, probably one of the biggest ones ever for the Big Ten. Um, best time for a game, it's 3.30, hands down, especially October, November. 
it's cool, it's jeans and sweatshirt weather, maybe a light jacket, lights come on by about 5, 5.30, doesn't, you got plenty of time to tailgate, you got plenty of time to get home without having to worry about deer all the time, give me 3.30 all the time, Fox, why couldn't you have picked us up for the 4 o'clock game today, I don't know, anyway, <clears throat> best pregame show, I really stopped watching game day, I mean, it's, it's, it's corporate in a way, it's so predictable. It's very SEC driven. Of course, the ESPN owns SEC and ACC networks. I, I really do get tired of being called Sparty by Desmond. I dropped the ball on the two point conversion, Howard, and by the big doofus fat ass bear. I'm going to just punch him in the face if I see him Saturday for game day. Give me big noon kickoff. They've got guys that are, I think, better player analysis anyway. Um, Stoops has got a. He's a little stiff right now. He's not as good as Urban was, but give me, you know, Fox big noon kickoff and make it longer than an hour. Um, <clears throat> and then for me, my start date for Christmas music. I mean, hey, on the Series XM app, you can listen to it anytime you want. <clears throat> I've got a good playlist. Ryan was, don't let him fool you. He was playing a little bit while I was washing the dishes tonight after dinner. But I'll go with that officially. Put it on, listen to it all day, like when I'm working, November 1st. All right, Ryan, give us a little bit of a wrap up and. We'll close this thing out. Yeah. Um, yeah, just remember, follow us on Twitter at the final score 35. <coughs> Excuse me. You are. I'm going to tell you this right now. You're not going to want to miss this episode Wednesday. We have three guests coming on. All unbelievable. One of them is, I don't even know how, it's, how we got them. Unbelievable stuff. But please be on the lookout for that. I'll put it out on my Instagram, Twitter. Uh, MySpace. We'll text everybody. My, I'll, I'll, we'll put it in. Yeah, we'll put it on the, the sky. Line. I don't know. It's gonna go. It's gonna go places, and you're gonna really like it. Um, should be really fun. TikTok, at, LinkedIn, Snapchat, whatever. <laughs> really looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun. Um, and we got a good. I got a good little quote to end it. It's gonna be fun. Um, please be on the lookout. Lots for of that. stats and good fodder. Some Mount Rushmore material. A lot of good it's things. Be good. All right, I wanted to give another shout-out to our faithful sponsor, Team Anders Realty. Go to teamanders.com for any of your West Michigan realty needs. Meantime, in the spirit of this week, which is basically like basketball rivalry week, and as Louisa May Alcott once said, rivalry adds so much to the charms of one's conquests. We'll leave you at that. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Don't miss it.